0: Welcome to episode 80 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week is Apple invites us to gather around the donut hole to fill our iPhone hunger. How are you doing today, Brett?
1: I'm doing good. I'm hungry for donuts now.
0: <laughs> yeah, how could you not be? <laughs> and so that donut hunger can wait because there's definitely that iPhone hunger to begin with because now... As we talked about last week, we're kind of building upon it this week. Apple sent out the official invites for the September 12th iPhone event, essentially. But it's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific. Tune in. And the official invites are essentially just a black background with a gold ring that is just like the Apple Spaceship Campus. And then the tagline is Gather Round. And so you can take that at face value. It's just uh, it's going to be held up at Apple's... uh, HQ at the Steve Jobs Theater, which is just off to the left of the little circular campus, and that's all fine and good. Or, you can extrapolate off. The picture itself, it's like that campus, but also, it's kind of reminiscent of these new leaked images that we're getting of the Apple Watch with its new circular design, which allows for eight complications on the screen, and since the screen is going to be 15% larger, the Screen itself is going to have that same kind of square four factor, but the actual display should be able, this more kind of circular roundness to display more potential items on screen.
1: Yeah, that, that screenshot, I mean, that actual image that they, that's they that been leaked out of this, I mean, it looks beautiful. All the content that you can get on the screen all at once. To me, my initial thought when I saw that gold ring is it immediately looks like one of the wireless charging coils to me. And so that also leads to, like, the watch charging. Maybe it means longer battery life. Maybe it means faster charging they also we already talked about the the apple their whole charging base that they're going to be i think it was air power is that what it was going to be called or um power or power yeah yeah power mat and so maybe we're going to get more information about that I, I don't know i mean it's fun to dissect the the invite and try to come up with these other things but initially that was my that looks just like it uh to me
0: yeah, I didn't even think that's a really good one, the wireless charging map, because it's coming. That's not an if, it's just, you know, what part of the program they're going to feature it. And then, of course, the Apple Watch and the new iPhone are going to focus on wireless charging, and hopefully that means better battery life, improved ch- charging, make it as easy as possible. It also is kind of like the digital crown on the side of the Apple Watch as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and also the um, I, it could mean the new color. I don't know. Maybe this is... They talked about... the. Some of the leaks have said that that uh, cheaper replacement for the iPhone 8, that's not going to have the OLED screen. It's actually going to have aluminum sides. And maybe this is another color they're going to use for the, those phones. Maybe it's going to be a new color offering. I don't know. I, lots of different things to dig into this.
0: Yeah, I think the leaked images are gold. For both devices, the both iPhones, even the XS, it shows the big one and the small one stacked on top of each other, both in gold on that stainless steel body. So, if the Apple Watch they can make it gold, I'm sure they can make the iPhone gold as well. Yep. The funny thing is, though, when I first looked at it, it looks like the Touch ID sensor, which Apple's completely abandoned. They don't even <laughs> act like they ever made it. It's just hilarious that. You know, the new iPhone's not going to have any Touch ID. It's completely gone. There's not even going to be Touch ID built into the screen or anything like that. But just to have that little circular ring in gold, I mean, that's just like the iPhone 6 and 7.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that a good point. I mean, we've seen this in other locations on the phone in the past. I guess, what does it mean now for this new set of phones? We're going to have to tune in on September 12th and find out, but... I'm hoping it's more interesting than just a picture of the campus.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so kind of we've talked about the leaked images and we also went over it last week. We have a pretty good idea of what Apple's going to announce. That's kind of the problem. I don't know who made the mistake at Apple to essentially have their marketing materials be able to be leaked to 9to5Mac, but they're out there. So this is one of the like most widespread leaks that Apple's kind of messed up on since the iPhone 4
1: oh right yeah I mean if there was it's been they've been locking things down for the past few years they've been really good about it and then this year it just seemed like it was leak after leak and like really credible images that this has to be accurate stuff that are they going to joke about it again this time uh, I forget which thing it was the last time that they end up having to make the joke about because everyone knew The exact contents of the entire presentation, because it had all been leaked. It might have been the the ten. Actually, was it the ten? Where a lot of the information was already out there well before they actually showed it off.
0: Yeah, Phil said, "Stop me if you've seen this before," or something like that. Yes, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I
1: think you're right. Yeah. So I guess last year there was a lot of leaks too, but I don't know. It seems like these are like. They only had a a week or so to go, and then all of a sudden now this stuff is coming out. Like, how did they not hold it off for that much longer?
0: Yep. And so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, here's a quick recap. We can expect two new iPhone X successors, essentially, that are going to come in 5.8-inch and 6.5-inch OLED screens, where... They're going to have the edge to edge screen, and the main difference is just going to be the screen size between the two. Where the larger device is going to be the model of the Plus, the existing Plus of the iPhone 8, and then it's just going to be with the new OLED screen for edge to edge display. But then also, Apple's going to have a 6.1 inch device at a lower tier that's have an LCD display. So the prices should range from about $700 for the LCD version up to. A thousand, or even more for the 6.5-inch OLED display.
1: Right. So there should be something for everyone. Whether you're looking for a small phone, a normal-sized phone, a huge phone, uh, they're going to have something for everyone in all different price points. So I think they're hoping to appeal to the broadest customer possible, and I think this is going to be a, a, a great year for sales. It's just a matter of which ones are they think people are going to buy. Are they going to produce them? Are we going to have the same things we've had year after year where there's the shortage? Well, I guess last year there wasn't much of a shortage. Stuff seemed to be pretty easily orderable. Are we going to have that great supply again this year, or did people hold off because they didn't want to spend $1,000 and they didn't want the the 8 because it seemed like an inferior product compared to the 10 when you have the two side by side so i don't know this should be an interesting year but i think sales are going to be way up
0: this year and then think of this device as kind of the iphone xs we don't know if that's going to be the name but that means we'll have the processor improvement we have this new bigger screen size model and it's going to be a lot of kind of under-the-hood enhancements. It's not going to be this big, huge change. That's probably down the road.
1: Right, right, yeah. Getting rid of the whole notch and all that stuff, that's all been uh, kind of stated that it's not going to happen until 2019. They haven't officially said it, but it's not likely to happen for this setup.
0: Right, and then the Apple Watch 4, it's going to have that 15% larger screen size. We're hoping for better, better battery life. But essentially, since Apple's going to be sunsetting the original Apple Watch, this is a big generation, a big announcement. And it's likely that this is the first real redesign to the watch in these four or three years that has been out.
1: Yeah, I, this might be the year I finally hop on board. I did, after we recorded last week, I did read an article that was saying their best-selling Watch right now is that first generation. The Apple Watch Series 1 is still outselling all the rest because people are just looking for a inexpensive way to get into the Apple watch market and maybe they don't care about the extra features that were introduced with the the two later ones they don't need cellular so they don't care about the third series and maybe they don't really care if they can't go swimming with their watch on so they don't need the second series either but apparently that first series which they're kind of end of lifeing, they uh for some reason that is still selling the best I think it's just all with price
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of discounts on those from Apple themselves as well as like Target and Walmart.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm guessing price on this is gonna be they're gonna keep it that same price points that they've had year after year and then they just push the older models down a little bit in price, but otherwise I what is it, three sixty nine and Yeah they get to somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a feeling it's going to stick to those same price points. They're, they sell well at those price points, so the Apple really doesn't need to do anything to change that.
0: And then we'll also likely see slightly redesigned AirPods as well as the AirPower wireless charging mat. And that will be a pretty solid event because also Apple needs to go over iOS 12 and macOS Mojave. So that means new iPads are coming, but they're likely not going to be announced on september 12th there's been a brand new leak as well for the ipad with you know renderings high resolution of leaked CAD images essentially and the new ipad is going to adopt kind of iphone x ideas of trying to be edge to edge but then it's going to go maybe towards the iphone 4 or older iphones with more kind of a flat-edged body rather than curved edge
1: yeah, I haven't seen those images yet, but I, I don't expect to see that at this event. I think, you know, well, if it is, this event's going to be so long. But uh, it, it makes more sense for them to do another event later in the year for those, whenever they're actually going to be ready, because I don't think those are going to be coming right now with all of this. If they do, it's not doesn't seem like the smartest move for Apple because they just front load every single one of their new devices all at the same time, where they really need to have this spread out throughout the year to drive sales and make sure people, because no one's gonna be able to afford to buy all these items all at once. So out. you spread mean you're not getting the,
0: the new thousand dollar phone, the new four hundred dollar watch, and a new like eight hundred dollar iPad, and then maybe throw in that seventeen hundred dollar MacBook. <laughs> uh,
1: no, no, I I do have to. If I get the watch for myself, my wife needs a new phone, so we'll probably be in for a watch and a phone. Which phone I'm not exactly sure yet. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm pushing out a replacement for my iPad for a while. At least, uh, I, I'm curious to see what these end up being, but I may end up finally replacing it. It's been quite a few years, so we'll see, but I can't do that right now.
0: Right. And so probably the funniest thing that I saw was that since it's a wheel or essentially it's a circle that that gather round is actually hinting at the apple car And that's what Apple's going to do.
1: (laughs) Those would be some pretty awesome looking wheels or rims on the wheels. Uh, But yeah, yeah, no, that's that's not going to happen.
0: Right. But it's definitely funny what you can do with the invite. And really the main takeaway, September 12th, 10 a.m. Pacific, you can watch the stream live on Apple's website or on your Apple TV. And we'll have a lot more details after that. Yep. And so that's the Apple News of the Week. And Google has a new app to blend us right into the new apps of the week. And essentially, it's FaceTime, but from Google. It's called Google Duo, and it lets you do face video chats from person to person. There's no word on if it supports up to 32 people simultaneously, like the new iOS 12 FaceTime that's going to be delayed probably until a 12.1 later in the year. But still, this seems to be more... Identical to FaceTime as it is right now, a direct competitor from Google.
1: Yeah, so I think the app had already been out for a little bit, but they just added iPad support for it. So now you can use it from your iPad or your iPhone. The nice thing about this is, yes, it seems very similar to to FaceTime, but it is cross-platform. So if you have someone who has an Android phone or Android device, you can now basically easily video chat with them uh, using this app instead of where FaceTime's proprietary and you need to have an Apple device and you can't even contact your friends that are using other devices using FaceTime, where now this offers you some universal solution that no matter what device the person has, you can be contacting, which is, is nice. And you and I tried it and it seemed fairly simple, straightforward, and the video quality seemed pretty decent. I, we did start to break up right near the end of our call, but uh, for the most part it seemed like it just works and it's simple and easy to use.
0: Right, that is the main distinguisher because right when you launch it, it shows that you know one of your contacts has an Android phone, so they're automatically already set up and it just makes it easy if you're not talking to someone on an iPhone or iPad and you still want to do those video calls.
1: Right, right. And it, But, I mean, this will never become your default app because Apple won't let it become your default app. But it's a nice to have those options there, especially if you are uh, amongst a family that's kind of across both iOS and Android devices. Now you can chat. I, I think it does only do one-to-one calls. Maybe their next move is to add, like, a group duo. I guess they wouldn't really be able to call it duo anymore, would they? Uh, but... Gru- Grupo, I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna call it, but maybe they'll add that feature if it becomes popular whenever Apple gets around to finally actually releasing it,
0: yeah, and then of course, there's still Microsoft owned Skype, and Skype is the big name when it comes to video chat, and they actually updated their service, so now you can record your video calls. I think it maxes out at a thirty minute call, but you can record it fully. The interesting part is that you can't actually record audio calls. You can only record the video calls, but it's a new kind of option for Skype as it's the leader of the clubhouse that Google and Apple are trying to play catch-up with. Yep. So that's Google Duo. It's free. It's now universal with the update. That means it's time for some new games, and the first game this week is Donut County, which is an interesting game to say the least because it's really heavily emphasized on kind of story-driven where you play pretty much bouncing back and forth between a lady who works at a donut store and the donut store owner, which is actually a raccoon. And if that's not crazy (laughs) enough, the raccoon, essentially donut holes, you're selling a donut shop, but the donut is actually a hole that opens up in the earth. And your goal is you just drag that circle around to essentially swallow pieces of the environment and then as you eat them your hole becomes bigger so then you can eat bigger items it's that classic katamari style but set up with a hole in the ground and then you go from essentially place to place trying to take everything in and it builds this whole storyline where all the people who've been swallowed into the earth they're 999 feet below donut county now and they're telling their story of how they ended up there and it all comes down to the raccoon and you get to see this whole story of developing characters and maybe they'll be able to get out maybe they won't who knows
1: yeah i mean it's absolutely crazy Weird and hilarious, and I I love the fact that the narrative is actually told almost in these like flashbacks where you are controlling the hole to recreate the event that caused these people to get down there in the first place. So this one character might say, "Oh yeah, I was just hanging out, and I'm afraid of snakes," and then all of a sudden uh, I fell through this hole, and I'm down here. I, I hope there's no snakes down here too, and then. They'll have a flashback to this, and now you are the one kind of robotically controlling this hole and trying to. So, you have to figure out what to suck up first, what can fit in the hole right away, and then you slowly start to grab the other things as the hole gets bigger. You have to figure out what you have to do. So, there's a little bit of a puzzly element. And then you're actually creating that whole, recreating that whole storyline to have it happen even though it already happened before. And so it's just a fun way to interact with the narrative story. And then also there are kind of like these other, I don't want to give any of the story away, but there's other elements where you have almost like a boss battle and there's other things that go on. And so it's more than just this whole thing, but that is the, the core of the gameplay, but it just goes every time you think it's gone crazy. It just goes crazier.
0: Right. And one of the funniest parts for me is that every time the raccoon has dialogue, I can't help but think he's like Rocket Raccoon because he's so dismissive (laughs) of the idea that he's to blame for everybody's predicament being down sucked into the earth. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, the dialogue is written so well. It's absolutely hilarious. They do a good job. I, I don't remember anything like being curse words or anything like that. You couldn't have a kid read it i'm trying to remember i was trying to watch it to see if i could let my daughter play this i really don't remember anything really bad so i think i'm gonna let her try it out too because i think she would find it absolutely hilarious to go through i think it only took me about 90 minutes or so to complete i I think it was fairly short but it was thoroughly entertaining like i once i started i couldn't put it down i played it all in one go because it was just so much fun
0: Right, it keeps you going because as soon as you complete a scene it goes right back to story and then the story generates a brand new flashback and at the start I thought it was all just dragging the hole around and picking up smaller things until you're able to handle the bigger things but it does evolve a little bit not to say what it does but it changes the gameplay enough to make it compelling so you are going to play through the entirety of the game it is, goes by relatively quick but part of that is because you're enjoying what you're going through
1: Right, right. And, and then they have this whole everything that you picked up, every single piece of trash that you've collected, all kind of goes into this uh, anthology where you can go through and read about all, each individual piece of trash, and then they have these funny little descriptions for each one. And I just swipe to get all the way to the end, and there's even like inside jokes in there. Just they I can't believe someone actually sat down and wrote little commentary for each individual thing that you could have possibly picked up in the game but they did if you want to spend you could probably spend easily another hour and a half three hours reading through that entire amount of content that's in there i mean it's just insane the whole thing is just crazy and i don't know it's so different so unusual but it's so much fun
0: Yep, that couldn't have summed it up better myself. So that's Donut County. It's four ninety nine and it's universal. And then just as kind of a little sidebar, hole.io is an interesting fun little game that has that same identical gameplay where you drag a hole, you eat smaller things, but you try to grow bigger. They've just made it into a competitive multiplayer idea. So there's two game modes. The first one is you have two minutes to score the most points. So you want to go and eat the smaller things and then start to work your way up so you can eat buildings and stuff before your opponents are able to. And then there's also a kind of last man standing where you eat your opponent's holes if you're bigger than them. And it might start in like this little Caribbean outfit where you take the rocks and the trees and you build up to be able to handle ships and stuff. And so they both have this really fast-paced competitive idea there's multiple people going on any of those .io styles but it really builds on that donut if you like that donut county gameplay you're really going to like whole .io
1: yeah i haven't tried this out i'm definitely gonna download this and check it out
0: and so it's free and it's universal just as a fun little distraction and then there's hungry dragon which conveniently builds upon the same kind of gameplay idea. So it comes from the makers of Hungry Shark and it plays very similarly just instead of under the ocean you're now flying around as a dragon and you have to eat small items and then be able to kind of grow your dragon up to be able to eat bigger ones. So if you ever played Hungry Shark you know that that game lets you enlarge your shark as you went. Like everything you ate made the shark bigger and bigger. Hungry Dragon Keeps your shark at this or your dragon at the same size, and then you level it up once it's max leveled up. You can unlock a new dragon and then increase your size that way. So it's more play as much as you can with this dragon and then level them all the way up. And now you can then unlock and eat bigger things, but it's still the same kind of idea of eat as many things as possible that keeps your health up, and then try to survive eating things as long as you can. And then with this whole dragon theme. Instead of swimming all around to different regions under the ocean, you can now fly to different realms where it might be a little village or a castle or you go down into the goblin caves, all kinds of crazy little things.
1: Now, see, I'm trying to remember. I, it's been a while since i played Hungry Shark, but I could have sworn they had multiple ones. They had Hungry Shark World and Hungry Shark Evolution, I believe. One of right. those, I thought you did the same exact thing where you could unlock entirely new shark types, and just like you unlock the dragon types that you do in this one. The most so- recent
0: shark game was more endless, where your shark grows as you go. So okay,
1: okay, so maybe it was the original one. But, I mean, it's basically Future Games of London, which was acquired by Ubisoft back in 2013. I mean, they basically took their entire Hungry Shark game and just <laughs> reskinned it. And now instead of swimming, you're flying and you're dragons instead of sharks. If you enjoyed Hungry Shark, you're going to love this dragon the theming of it. I mean, it's fun to be flying around as this massive dragon. And then there's even humongous dragons that you can unlock and just eat it, like, especially when you go after, like, the guy trying to shoot you, the knight trying to shoot you with arrows, and you just go down, swoop him up, lift him up over the edge, and he's, like, screaming like crazy, and you're trying to eat him, and then if you accidentally, like, drop him down, then he's, like, recovered, and then he can scoop him up again, but, I don't know, I just, I almost kind of liked it better than the shark one, only because you do have that whole aerial element of it, where you can drag things away, but, I mean, it's pretty much the identical game. But if you enjoyed one, I think you'll enjoy the other.
0: Yeah, I don't think they could have made it more redundant if they tried. But (laughs) with that said, it still is relatively enjoyable. It's not like, oh, you know, they didn't start with a boring game. So it has a good kind of fast-paced structure of just munching everything you can because every second that you're not eating something, you're losing health. So you always have that constant incentive. And then it also has that exploration incentive where the more kind of regions you try to fly to, the more creative areas you'll come to. Like I mentioned, there's that goblin area. There's also a whole witch element where they'll curse you and stuff, so there's quick ways to die. And it's all just kind of through exploration of finding new areas because you want to maximize your score, but you also want to maximize leveling up your dragon because once you unlock your dragon, you realize that Flying around for the same amount of time, your score almost doubles because you're capable of eating more things. So the best you can do with that small dragon is not that good compared to the best you can do with that medium dragon. So they're always pushing you towards that upgrade as well
1: right right and i do like how when you do discover a new section that they make it very obvious they alert you like hey you found this new section where because otherwise i mean it does start to kind of blend together you will see new things to eat new things that you might not have seen yet there'll be things you like certain prey that you have to avoid because you may not be big enough and they could hurt you rather than you hurting them but i do like that they really kind of over-the-top advertise that you've now entered a new section just so that you're aware that there's going to be new stuff new things so it gives you an incentive to to fly around i almost said swim around fly around <laughs> and find a new section you can actually go into the water in this as well uh so i i guess they couldn't even get away from the water they still wanted to make sure you could go dive down to the water i think there might have even been an achievement i got when i first hit the water, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, it's it's fun, and I, I I agree. Like the original was fun, and so I do not mind that they kind of reskinned it and created this new version, changing things up not a lot, but still enough to to keep it interesting and make it slightly different. Uh, but keeping that same constant pressure on you that you have to eat something, you can't just fly around and explore. You always are gonna have to be looking for some kind of food source, otherwise you're going to die. So and there's things you have to avoid until you can get big enough that then you are the, the king of the the hill and nothing can really hurt you.
0: Yep. So that's Hungry Dragon. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Golfing Around, which is the latest arcade sports-style game from Colin Lane. And it fits right in with his game. So usually, though, his games are more kind of crazy, like chaotic-style games. So this one's more kind of a traditional golfing experience where you have this top-down view. You tap and hold the uh, power button to generate the strength of your shot you can tap on the map to adjust the trajectory you let it go and really you're not going to deal with like crazy contraptions or anything you either land in the fairway the rough or maybe the water and that's about the most you're going to deal with bunker and water and you just have three set courses to go through but then the game has all these user-generated courses to also play
1: yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised that I didn't feel like I was fighting the controls when I first started playing <laughs> this. I expected something that was so weird and crazy that I would get frustrated with the controls, but still have fun. Instead, the controls actually worked quite well, and I still had fun. And like I, I, Colin Lane's games are, are just... He takes like the essence of the sport and just puts it there and this one is yes it feels much more like a traditional golf game but you can still see his kind of like take on it and it's like it just kind of just gets it down to the bare minimum that you need the the where the place where it does get a little crazy and has really that essence he always brings to the games is when you want to overpower your shot so you have a choice of like four different clubs and then when you're trying to tap and hold or you can switch it to a two tap system and uh, there's these two yellow dots on the power meter and that is your normal shot. If you let it go into the red zone, then that meter will start kind of swerving left and right and that puts your, your hook or slice on the ball. So you really can kind of use that to angle your shots and then you have to look at what that wind meter is doing because you really have to take that in consideration as well and it allows you to get kind of even with just a simple setup these creative shots to try to get around curves or get over trees or just avoid the trees so you don't end up in the trees because once you're in the trees it's pretty much lost you're gonna end up going way over par at that point but it's just a simple golf game but there's still enough there and enough of his signature in there that it makes it feel different than some of the other stuff that's out there.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Because it's not going to like revolutionize the arcade golfing games, but it's fun enough that you'll want to play through all nine holes. It's a consistent challenge just because of the way they've placed the trees and the water and the sand traps. And then still, like you said, it's simple anyone could pick this up and play it because essentially all you have to do is line up your shot and then hold the screen and release. It's not a complex task at all, and it lets you focus on the challenge at hand of each course. And the courses are really designed to make sure that you have to balance the wind and where you're going to angle your shot and see that the yellow lands right here on the course while the red lands up here. So maybe the red makes it over this river, but then you have to deal with handling that red start to hook or slice. So maybe it's not going to land over the river. So it's that risk-reward. Do I balance making it further, and but maybe it doesn't land where I want to? Or do I play it safe with the yellow marker? Maybe it ends up taking me another stroke to get to the hole.
1: Right, right. And, and the one thing, I, I don't know if there was an update, because I don't remember the first time I played, but then when I was playing again today... Uh, it looks like once you've hit over par on a hole, it prompts you, if you want to watch a video, you can restart the entire hole if you'd like. So that way, you're not going to destroy your score with one bad hole. Say you're just like tanking a hole, you get in those trees, you can't get out, once you've gone enough that you're over par on that hole, it'll give you the option to watch a video to restart it. And then maybe you'll do... The wind will be the same the next time. So you'll, you'll kind of have an idea of maybe what you did wrong. Maybe you hit it too hard and the wind was with you. So the thing just flew out into the water. And you, so you just quickly kept on gaining strokes and there was nothing you could do well now you can go back and retry it and all you had to do was watch a little video so i i have a feeling it's going to do well on video ads just because people are going to get so like trying to get that great score and then just want to replay holes but uh, it's just a short little video and you're you're good to go to retry it so i had no problem i mean the game is free so i had absolutely no problem watching a video if i wanted to
0: restart a hole and then they have two separate leaderboards. You have a leaderboard if you don't reset anything, and then there's a separate leaderboard if you ever reset any of the holes. So it lets you kind of challenge your friends and yourself that way as well.
1: Right. I didn't notice that because there was a hole I must reset about 14 times, and then my score was super high. I'm like, what the heck? I didn't get that score. I I, I just reset a couple of times. But then, no. Yes, it, it keeps you honest,
0: which is good. Yep. And so that's golfing around, it's free, it's universal.
1: And then one last one I just want to mention. It, this actually came out, I think, a couple weeks ago. is It's a game called Knock Mall, and it's a roll-and-write game. So it's a digital adaptation of a roll-and-write game. And what that is is basically you're rolling dice, and then you use those dice to kind of mark off things on a, a specialized score sheet. So it's a strategic game where there's 105 of these colored squares on the on the. Uh, sheet. And what you're trying to do is there's groupings of different colors and when those dice get rolled you have a color and then you have a number. And so I'm gonna focus mostly on the solo because that's what I played the most of. And so there's four dice that get rolled. Two colored ones and two numbered ones. And they basically tell you a number and a color. You choose one one set of one pair of those, and then you mark off, like say it's two and a red X. Now you have to mark off two connecting red squares, and there's other rules, but I won't go into those in detail, but so you're basically just trying to fill up this entire sheet, or as much of it as you can. The game ends for the solo play once you've had 30 turns, or you end up kind of closing out Two uh, whole colors, and there's different ways to earn points as you go. And the first couple, first time, I was totally clueless. Like I, I'd heard of the game, but I, and I'd read the rules, but I was still a little confused as to what w- was going on. But then once I played a couple of times, you start to learn strategies of maybe I wasn't shouldn't have gone for this certain section first, and maybe I should have held off and tried to focus on this. And you, you start to learn emergent strategies. And so there's a, a lot more going on than it first kind of appears. And it keeps you wanting to come back because it gives you a score at the end and it tells you how well you did. And I mean, the highest you can get is 40 or more points in the solo mode. And I, the max I've gotten so far is just playing today, it was a max of 20 points. So I still have a ways to improve. But the nice thing about this app, it's the same developer that, uh, did the digital adaptations of the game Quicks and Camel Up, and they did a similar thing with the Quicks app as well, where you can use this app as either to play the game digitally and it lets you play either solo or a two player mode where you're kind of head to head, each of you has half the screen is your little board to mark things. And when you're playing multiplayer, you there's a, a reward for kind of filling up those columns or filling up those uh, colors first before the other players do the other option you can do is you can use it as a digital score pad so say you actually own the game but you don't want to use up all those paper sheets you can use it just to mark things off instead of using the paper sheets or you can use it as the dice and have it roll the dice for you instead of having physical dice so it gives you all the kind of these other options which aren't like always there if you just have the physical
0: version and so just to confirm there's no online multiplayer no so
1: what they have is this dual so i think the actual physical game lets you have maybe five or six players uh this one it maxes out at two and what it does is it kind of splits the screen so you're kind of face to face literally head to head Uh, facing each other, each with their own little score sheet that you're filling out, and so you're on the same device doing it. I haven't tried that mode yet, uh, but I'm curious to try it with my daughter, because she liked Quicks as well, and so I I think we're going to try it together and see how it goes, but uh, yeah, there's no online multiplayer, it's just... uh, there is a leaderboard uh, for the solo mode, so you can see how you stack up against other people, but it's just... uh, uh, local multiplayer, same device. But the game is uh three ninety nine and it is universal.
0: And it's funny, the color scheme, it reminds me of Marple, which was this old-school logic puzzle game that were, like, in the App Store in 2008. It's not related. It's just the colors look almost identical in a whole logic puzzle.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it is is—it is essentially a logic puzzle that you're doing. I mean, you're trying to figure out the best strategy. There is the randomization of the dice, uh, but you're trying to figure out how to best fit these things in and, and hopefully not end things too early by closing out two colors. Uh, but then also maximizing each turn that you have to try to maximize those points and close out the columns to get as many points as you can and cover the special squares with stars and there, you also earn points for not using the wilds that you have. So there's all kinds of very strategical elements that you can kind of play with and try to improve each time you play.
0: That sounds a lot like marble. So if you are keeping score at home, knock mall is 399 it's universal and then marple is 99 cents it's iphone only and just if you like any kind of logic puzzle games i don't think you can go wrong and i think that's everything for episode 80
1: yeah that's all i got
0: to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time
1: talk to you later